0: A known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trader. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom.
1: You can! the
0: truth bringing america the truth about what really happens in the financial world ladies and gentlemen here to win some fantasy but in political and economic reality this is the watchdog wall street
1: yes it is welcome 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 everybody over the years uh here on the program we actually at least not we of course we don't do buy sell hold on this show uh, we've spent a hell of a lot more time just uh, understanding the psychology of the American investor. It's, it's something that I've spent a lot of time over the years reading about, uh, based upon you know what I have to deal with on a regular basis. Uh, you know why people do the things that they do with their money. There was a uh, a psychological term. Uh, that was thrown at me this this past week, I was familiar with, but it was kind of funny. Cognitive dissonance. You know what cognitive dissonance means? It's the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes as relating to various decisions, behavioral decisions, and and attitudinal changes. And, And I thought about that this past week, and it was funny, the Wall Street Journal brought it up as well, and it was in regards to uh, the current uh, resident of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, that President Joe Biden, uh, and his uh, goal to reduce U.S. oil and gas production. Right? The squad, all the, the left, we got to get out of all these fuels. We're going we're gonna to limit global supply of fossil fuels. This is in the name of fighting climate change. But at the same time, At the same time, Biden and the people in Washington are uh, calling on OPEC. You know our old friends there at OPEC. Oh, yeah, we we basically knocked OPEC out, right? Basically knocked OPEC out. We became the most dominant, most powerful energy-producing nation in the world. And then, you know what? we said, now we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to give OPEC back its power. So the Biden administration is calling on OPEC to... Pump more oil so that gasoline prices don't rise more than they already have. You, you explain the logic behind this. All right, we, we canceled the pipeline, too, right? There's a lost 5,000 plus jobs. But we don't have any problem with the pipeline now, at least not anymore. Have any problem with the pipeline going from Germany to Russia, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Doesn't make any sense. And much the reason why I bring this up. Much of what you watch and what you hear in the news, much of what you watch and what you hear, uh, especially when it comes to these wizards of smart, these economists, the Federal Reserve, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I want to talk quickly about the well, some of the volatility that's coming into the markets. Uh, and, and whenever there's uh, run-ups or sell-offs, people always ask me why. Uh, my answer is, I don't know. I, I really don't, because the reality of the situation, th- th- there's a reason why so many investors out there that go it alone and don't really have it. They really, they're not about financial preparation. Uh, it, I don't even call what they do. You know, We talked about this before in the program. I don't even call what they do investing. It's speculating. We invest. Most people speculate. There's a problem we have in this country, without a doubt, in regards to retirement savings, the concept of retirement. Um, Again, I'm not a big believer in trying to plan for retirement, especially at a young age, because what does that mean? How do you know when you're going to want to retire? And that retirement plan might actually might actually take away opportunities for you in the future. So what you do is you just prepare. Um, Some of the the wizards of smart in the investment industry. They they, they all come up with their different charts and gimmicks. You see it in, in marketing plans, all sorts of stuff that they come up with, the commercials on TV. And some of them are just patently absurd. A lot of them are algorithmic algorithmic financial plans. I remember seeing this years ago and it scratching my head. Scratching my head you know, with people, uh, the various different layouts that they want people to have in regards to their 401ks. And again, you can't access your 401k unless you're taking a loan or you want to pay a hefty penalty for an extended period of time. And I'm telling young people, oh, you could be super aggressive in this. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You don't have to be super aggressive. You just need to be smart. You need to manage risk in this because guess what? You see 8, 10, 12% a year for 20, 30, 40 years, you're doing pretty darn well. Why do you want to take ridiculous amount of risk on, especially in a retirement account? You know, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. I, I've talked about uh, one of my, my favorite authors and philosophers, uh, Nicholas Taleb, and he's read one of his best-selling books, phenomenal, uh, about the concept of black swans. And with the concept of black swans, they, they, unfortunately, the media doesn't really understand it. They called the pandemic a black swan. It wasn't a black swan. Black swans are things that happen that you just, there's no way you could see that coming. We knew. I mean, pandemics have happened in the past and we understood and everybody understood that they could happen again. That's why we have the World Health Organization and the CDC that are supposed to deal with this stuff. Now, when you are preparing, when you're preparing for your future, that, that concept needs to be taken into account. Rather, and I know I've said this before, rather than planning for retirement, one prepares. That's what we do. I talk about that with my kids that I coach there. We want to prepare so we can handle anything on the field. I, one of my favorite drills, one of my favorite drills, and I'm getting into my world of lacrosse right now, you have different coaches on the field, and each coach has got a, a bucket of balls there. And all of a sudden, we, we shout out a certain situation or a certain score in the game, certain time, roll the ball out. What do you do? What do you do? How do you react to those situations? Talked about the the Navy SEAL that told me you can go into battle with a map and a plan. When you get to the battlefield and the terrain and the conditions are different than what you expected, what do you do then? Well, you better go with the terrain. I also mentioned, this brought this up, uh, Warren Buffett. I'll never forget this. Back in his 2007 annual report his annual message to shareholders he wrote it in the form of a help wanted advertisement and it said wanted a young man or woman with the potential to manage a very large portfolio the ideal candidate must be someone genetically programmed to recognize and avoid including those never before encountered those are those black swans other key requirements Independent thinking, emotional stability, and a key understanding of both human and institutional behavior. What Talib, Navy SEAL, and myself, what we're trying to get across is, guys, expect the unexpected. Now, did, did I think that there was going to be a, a pandemic starting up in January, February? Of 2020? No. No, we, we saw, unlike the Fed and everybody else, there was a few of us out there that saw the financial crisis. We saw that. We told you about the dot-coms, but the are things that you're not going to see. So when the market sells off, market sells off for no apparent reason, and then they start parading all of these so-called experts on TV trying to explain it to you. Don't bear them no mind. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Remember what Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump in, uh, remember, uh, he's running across the country. Remember that scene? And he steps in a pile of you know what? And he says, poop happens sometimes. it became a saying back in the, the 1970s, except they use a different word for Poop. The investors, the people out there, again, I study this, okay? We try to do, drive people in the right direction. When I craft this show, I try to make things a- a- as simple and as understandable as possible so you don't fall into the various different pitfalls that are out there. The investors that lose time and time again, and this includes the wizards of smart, the hedge fund gurus, Yeah, those people that have won Nobel Prizes and decide to uh, start up investment funds and get crushed and almost take down the entire financial markets. Oh, yes, all those mathematical geniuses with their algorithmic trading. The reason why hedge funds continue to go out of business at an ever-accelerating pace. The stockbrokers, the financial advisors, promising ridiculous, ridiculous outsized returns or the idiots that you'll hear on radio and television pitching their, their magical software trading program, newsletter, whatever the hell it may be, that will make you money no matter what. we will make you money no matter what the market is doing. Come on. Come on. You're going to lose. And again, I get back to this a, a, a psychological. It's, it's a condition. They call it a condition. I call it a disorder. Uh, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. The Dunning-Kruger effect. They don't know what they don't know. This is a, a cognitive bias in which people of very low ability have this, um, this illusory superiority and mistakenly assess their, their, their intelligence, their cognitive ability as greater than it actually is. The cognitive bias of illusory superiority comes from the inability of low ability people to recognize the fact that they don't have that ability, that they're not that smart. These people are not self-aware, even though, hey, they'll tell you how bright they are and the people that they're interviewing them on TV will tell you how bright they are. But again, they're proven wrong again and again and again. And yes, I'm including Larry Summers, Paul Krugmer, Kr- Paul Krugman, excuse me, Joseph Stiglitz, all these hedge fund guys that they bring on. Alan Blinder, I can go on and on and on. The ones that are telling you what to buy, sell, and hold. The ones that are telling you there's no inflation out there. The ones that are telling you socialism is just awesome. People, you need to understand the terrain, and that's that's what we're here to do. Gonna take a quick break. Um, again, I I invite each and every one of you to become a part of our family at Markowski Investments and the Watchdog on Wall Street Radio Show. Take advantage of our personal C. F.O. program. It's right there at our website at WatchDogOnWallStreet.com A lot of other great stuff there as well, my friends. We have our account repair kits. If you've gotten whacked and beat up, uh, made some serious mistakes, it's a great program of getting yourself back on track. We have our newsletter. We have all sorts of great stuff that is available to you, all free at WatchDogOnWallStreet.com or by giving us a call at 800-471-5984 Don't go anywhere. We'll be back.
0: Taking Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street.
1: One more uh, quick tidbit here in regards to financial preparation. And I know I've talked about the, the importance here, written about the importance of resilience when it comes to managing one's assets and dealing with the inevitable financial storm. Um, I, 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 there's no better description. Again, I'll go back to Nicholas Taleb, uh, who invented a a better one. He came up with the word anti-fragile, anti-fragile. Um, some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and they grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors and love adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet in spite of the ubiquity of this phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. So let's call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond being resilient or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. This property is behind everything that has changed with time, evolution, culture, ideas, revolutions, political systems, technological innovation, cultural and economic success, corporate survival, good recipes, the rise of cities and cultures. And Investors need to take the concept of the anti-fragile and apply it to their portfolios. You also should apply it to your lives. Anyway, um, you, you want um Black Swan for me. I, I'll give you a Black Swan for me. There's something, I, 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 like I said, I didn't know, knew a, a pandemic would come at some point in time. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. They made movies about it. Plenty of them. But uh, was it Contagion? Contagion was one. And then there was Outbreak with Morgan Freeman and Dustin Hoffman. There's been plenty of that; those movies going around. It, 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 Television shows, blacklists and stuff like that, you know, virus is getting up. Anyway, you know, it's a a black swan for me, is the fact that um, inflation is running as hot as it is. Again, we're being lied to, I'll get into that bit. And seeing risk-free, supposedly risk-free assets at ridiculous levels. Well, a 10-year Treasury went... Below 1.3 this week. 1.3 this week. Again, um, it's it's been bad for a while. It's been bad for a while. I, I know I've given this description before in the program, and again, we get new listeners and new stations all the time. Why, everybody, get your your arms around this concept? That thirty years ago, thirty years ago, if you Worked your tail off. Let let's say you had a what would one would call a middle class job. Let let's say that you were a school teacher, or, or let's say you owned a, a small business and you worked your tail off, maybe got a second job, and you, you put your kids through college and you paid off your home and you still were able to. You, you were smart, you socked away money. Cause again, the most important thing is time in the market, right? Pay yourself every single month, something we teach here on the program. No matter what's going on, you continue to pay yourself every month and you continue to invest. You don't try to time the markets. And you do that. You do that for 25, 30 years. And you know what? You want to retire. Go back 30 years. And let's just say you you hit a magic number. You got a million dollars you put away. A million dollars. And, you you know, you got maybe got your pension, maybe you sell your business, maybe you downsize, make some extra money uh, on your house and decide to retire to Florida, whatever it may be. And that million dollars, and you don't want any risk. You don't want to take on any risk at all. You could take that money 30 years ago, and you could buy risk-free assets, and you would make tax-free. Tax-free. Over the course of the year, over $70,000. Over $70,000. Now, again, I want you to go back in time 30 years ago and remember the cost of things from 30 years ago. How expensive things were 30 years ago. For crying out loud, you can't even get a pickup truck now for under fifty grand. Today, today that million dollars in risk-free assets, tax-free, well, you're making under $13,000 a year. That's that's the reality. And I, at this point in time, I, I know I mentioned this. I don't know if I did on a radio show, but on the podcast keeps coming to mind. I keep seeing keep seeing Jay Powell. I keep seeing Janet Yellen. I keep hearing from these uh, people at the Fed. I keep seeing these talking heads on TV talking about this transitory inflation. And it's not running as hot as everyone thinks it is. Alan Blinder this past week in the Wall Street Journal. No, no, no. What they're telling you is people... No, no, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe the, the bills that you're paying. Believe us. Well, that, my friend, is just stupid. If you believe Jay Powell, if you believe these idiots, okay, and you don't believe your eyes, well, I'm sorry. That's just plain dumb. And, and to quote uh, Michael Corleone in uh, Godfather One when he's, you know, going after his... Uh, his uh, brother-in-law there um, don't insult my intelligence it makes me angry watchdogonwallstreet.com watchdogonwallstreet.com don't go anywhere
0: Get back chris markowski is the watchdog on wall street This is the Watchdog on Wall Street.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is the one, the only, the Watchdog on Wall Street show. Again, remind everybody out there, become a part of the the Watchdog on Wall Street family, the Markowski Investments family, by getting to our website at watchdogonwallstreet.com, our personal CFO program and all sorts of other great stuff there. Um, podcast as well. I mentioned that. A lot of new listeners out there. I do a daily podcast. I try to keep it short and sweet in and around a half an hour. We average about a half an hour every day going over some of the major stories of the day, dispelling the um, the narratives that the, uh, the press and the people in power are trying to push on you. Kind of like the fact that inflation is transitory. Oh, yes, this past week if you went to um, CNBC or business and you know, the ones we are waiting on the investors are waiting on the fed minutes really really y- you might as well honestly you might as well i don't know watch keeping up with the kardashians instead or or listen to your favorite sports radio program because you're wasting your time the fed fed puts out its uh, report there oh, you know we might need to pull back a little bit on the uh the support we're giving to the economy but yeah, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to do it too soon. Again, they're they're purchasing 120 billion dollars of treasury and mortgage securities every single month. The money supply, the, it hasn't grown at the level that it has over the past year since the 1940s. And again, they're starting to think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we should start pulling back. And the other one is we were surprised, surprised at some of the inflation numbers out there. When are they not surprised? What exactly, what exactly do you say you do there, huh? Besides being wrong all the time. Wrong all the time. You didn't understand the run up in dot coms, did you? No. Now, you didn't, you didn't understand the subprime collapse, the financial crisis. For crying out loud, Ben Bernanke said that there was no problem at all. The subprime, sub-prime situation will be contained. Meanwhile, we got hedge funds blowing up all over the place that had tons of this stuff in there. It was as plain as day. Yet we continue to look. The numbers keep coming in. There's a story this past week about supermarkets. Supermarkets stockpiling inventory, stockpiling inventory because the prices keep going up. Major food manufacturers out there: General Mills, Campbell Soup, J.M. Smucker, and many others raise their prices. They have to raise their prices. Now, you mean to tell me this is all due to higher labor costs? No, no, you're pumping way too much money into the system. You're handing out too much money to people that are not working for those dollars. And there's a few of us out there. you continue to beat this drum when it comes to inflation. I described it in the past. I described it in the past as this. Federal Reserve, and I, just some odd years ago, I was talking about this. I, I compared it to the, the television show The Simpsons, and and Homer Simpson's neighbor is a <laughs> straight arrow, honest guy Ned Flanders, and Homer is the episodes. Homer would go into Ned Flanders' garage and borrow his tools and his equipment, and of course Homer would never return them. The Fender Reserve and what they have done. And what they have done to us, what they've done forcing down interest rates to ridiculous levels, okay? What they have done is taken tools out of my shed. Out of my shed. And my job, what we do at Markowski Investments, they've taken those tools out of my shed and they haven't returned them. You've got to be an idiot not to understand that inflation is not running hotter than 10%. We went over this, on the program, I think a couple of weeks ago. If you go back to the same metric, the same metrics that were used back in the 1970s, the same ones, this is before they started taking stuff out. Well, you know, uh, we'll take energy costs out of this, we'll take this out of th- you go back, it's running hotter than 10%. Back then, back then, guess what? Placing's running hotter than 10%. Your your grandfather, your grandfather could have bought a CD paying them more than 10%. That's a tool. The value of your money, what your money can do for you, okay, what your your money will get you is dropping every single day. Every single day. That, my friends, is a tax. Do you understand? It's a tax. And you need to get your arms Around this. And again, this changes the dynamic. Go and you take a look at the things that we've preached about here on the program and reevaluating when and if you should retire based upon this. You need to take this into consideration. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. Again, become a part of our family personal CFO program, podcast, account repair kits, annuity help kits, all sorts of great stuff. Watchdog. On wallstreet.com or give us a call 800 471 5984.
0: The only man who is taking on the Wall Street establishment. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris
1: Markowski. The problem is is that we we look to we look to we look to the government, we look to these people, the Federal Reserve, to that they can actually fix things. That they actually can can have some sort of handle, some sort of control on the economy and the, the interactions that happen between people on any given day. And they they screw it up. Time And time again, time and time again, and and we get involved and we've got this, this aid program here and this help program there. And what it does is it just causes disconnects. It causes disconnects. And I I, I know I've said this before, but you got to think of of the world around us, the economic world around us, like mother nature And, and just how amazing it is. There's no supercomputer, there's no people that you could put together at some think tank in Washington, D.C. that can central plan. You cannot central plan an economy. You can't. We we have a a situation right now here in this country. And again, this is a problem. This is a problem caused by the people in power. U.S. job openings right now are at record Levels, The number of available jobs nearly matched the 9.3 million Americans who are unemployed but actively seeking jobs in May. Uh, what the hell's the problem, then? What's the issue here? Well, I'll give you the, the financial wizards are smart. All the king's horses and all the king's men running in, all trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Going to fix the problem. Things like, hey, you know what? You don't have to pay your rent. No, 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 no. It's a pandemic. You don't have to pay your mortgage. Guess what? We'll give you extra money. We'll increase food stamps. We'll do all of these things. You don't think that has anything to do with this? <laughs> you know, it, it, basically government intervention. I was asked this, actually asked this question this past week doing a, a radio interview. They are like, Crystal, you know, businesses are going to start finding a way. They're going to start. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, businesses are going to start finding a way. They're going to find a way to do more with less. I know in certain businesses, especially the service industry, that can be difficult. But they will. And I, it reminded me of, there was a scene in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, it, 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 um, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Jeff Goldblum's character—he had some great lines in that money—and they're, they're in Jurassic Park, and I can't understand you know, what in the world's going on. How are these, uh, how are these animals, how are these dinosaurs reproducing? Because everything in the lab we were designing—every dinosaur is going to be female. How is this possible? And he had a line. He said, "Nature will find a way. Nature will find a way." The world around us will find a way, the the, the economic world around us will find a way when there's a disconnect and there's a problem without any government intervention, without any aid from some useless economist or any member of the uh, Federal Reserve Board. Watchdog on com. Watchdog on com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street. You should believe in math, not magic. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski.
1: All right. I know I, uh, I discussed this on the podcast a week or two ago. Uh, I want to share it with you. This is just stuff that I've learned over the years. Um, I want to couple it with this story here. Almost uh, one in five young adults in the United States was neither working nor studying in the first quarter. The first three months of the year, First three months of the year, Americans uh, ages 20 to 24 were not in employment. One in five. Not in employment, not learning anything, not taking any classes, not training for everything. This is known as the NEET rate, the N-E-E-T rate. That's up by 25% year over year. Um is there any excuse for that? No, there's not. There's not. How could you, I mean, let's, let's just say, let's say you're at risk, first quarter of the year, you're at risk for COVID, whatever it may be. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me you can't be studying, doing anything, bettering yourself online? Oh, you're just going to sit around and watch Netflix, are you? Listen, this is... Um, it just, again, brought me back to a, a point in <laughs> time. Um, we, we've got clients all over the country, all over the world, uh, different sizes, stripes, uh, political dispositions. People find that kind of amazing. They're like, "You got you got Democrats as clients? Yeah, yeah. I got lots of Democrats as clients, and guess what? I have debates with them. And, and I, I broke this down. This is you know a core difference between the left. And the right. And by the way, I'm not a Republican. I left the Republican Party years and years and years ago. They're full of it, too. But I um, a client. Client. Very, very successful. Very successful lawyer. Major lawyer. Major law firm. And he was a big time, big time contributor to the Democratic Party. And I'm... Sitting down with them, having dinner, I, I've tell this before. You, you, you got to sit down with people in love. You, I put a couple cocktails in them, and they will tell you how they really feel. And, and it comes down to this. The breakdown is this: they they think that human beings are stupid for the most part. That's basically best. You know, the light, kind of the nicest way I could put it. They just don't think people are very smart. They treat people. Like rescue dogs, it is their job to rescue humanity because these people can't do it on their own. Now, my belief system is is you've got it all wrong. That that each and every human being out there has been given some God-given talent. And everyone's different. And they need to go out there and they need to figure out what that is. They got to figure out what that is, and they got to make something of themselves. And it's not about how much money you have. It has nothing to do with that. Being successful, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. And you want to talk about it, that? Is the biggest breakdown. This is between the left and the right. Obviously, there's people out there. On the left that they they want to be taken care of. That's wrong. They're never going to be truly happy. But to see these numbers. And, and to, to see the amount of people out there right now that are not working and the amount of job openings, again, it's embarrassing. I, I talk about employment in the United States, and I often tie it into immigration. And I got a couple immigration stories I'll do later on in the program, hopefully, if we get to it. You, you understand why so many people want to come here, right? You, you, you do get that, right? You do get that. They do have the Internet and the news and other places around the globe. And a nine million job opening plus in the United States. I live in El Salvador and I have little to no prospects. Guess what? I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm doing whatever it takes because I want a job. Anyway, I got to get into taxes as well. The media where they were high-fiving one another they were so excited so excited and talking about just you know how Biden is bringing nations together and and with Janet Yellen, look at what they're doing he got 130 nations 130 nations to agree to support his his corporate tax proposal for a global minimum tax on corporations 15 percent now mind you Mind you, the Biden administration wanted it at what, 23%? So all of a sudden, he gets 130 nations that are going to sign off on it. And we here on the program, what do we tell you? It's never going to happen. Ever going to happen. It was funny. It was funny. The U.K., the U.K. right away carved out out a a, a special exemption for their financial firms. They got that area there in, in London uh carve out for the new global tax that they're not included and all it's going to take is a couple of countries and as it turns out nine countries came out and said nope nah we're not going to participate in this and guess what guess what three of them three of them are european nations members of the eu estonia ireland and hungary now if the eu wants to go with this global minimum it has to be unanimous between all the countries. So what the EU will say, hey, you know, Joey, we, you know, we tried, we signed on to your thing, but you know, we got these troublesome countries here and it's just, just how it works. We told you this was going to happen. Why in the world, why in the world would Ireland raise their corporate taxes after lowering them to 12.5%? They saw an influx of companies decide to move there. This cartel-like idea when it came to taxes was destined to fail. Destined to fail, you know what? You don't think you you don't think that like what will, I will say the the governor of New York Andrew Cuomo you don't think that he'd like to have a United States uh, tax on states that is all the same or the, the guys from uh, from Illinois Pritzker whatever it may be to keep businesses from leaving New York and Illinois and many of these other high tax states of course they would but that's not what we're about we're about competition. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. We'll be back.
0: Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. Well-known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trader. Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom.
1: You can't handle the truth.
0: Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the watchdog on Wall Street.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is the one, the only the watchdog on Wall Street. I um, we were talking about taxes coming out the last hour of the program, and I, I got to talk about this as well. Um, I, I I don't believe right now. I made this perfectly clear. I I don't believe that Joe Biden, president of the United States, is is calling the shots. I really don't. I I think most people out there don't. He's got his People around him that are telling him what to do, telling him what to do, what needs to be done. And he's just kind of going along with it. You know, again, almost you think of the movie Boomerang. He's kind of like Lady Eloise. Uh, He's a name on the package, uh, but he doesn't really have any power. I um, was thinking about this past week, uh, back when uh, Hillary Clinton was battling Barack Obama for the Democratic nomination. And there was a debate that took place on ABC and it was in regards to capital gains rates. And Barack Obama, part of his platform is he wanted to raise capital gains rates. Wanted to get uh, raise them. And, and again, Charlie Gibson, Charlie, at that point in time, I, the establishment wanted, wanted Hillary. And I want, tried to back Barack into a corner on this. And, Hillary Clinton came out and said, no, you know this, we don't want to raise capital gains tax rates. And the question Charlie Gibson said, when Bill Clinton lowered capital gains rates, which he did, when he lowered capital gains rates, the amount of revenue to the U.S. Treasury went up. It increased. And Barack Obama, the statement, his retort was, well, I want to raise capital gains taxes due to fairness. And at that point in time, that point in time, I, you know, I, I crossed myself and I said, I, I really hope Hillary wins. I, I really, really hope Hillary wins because this this is insane. This is that you're going to raise taxes due to fairness. It's not about revenue coming into the Treasury. I thought about this past week because breaking down Biden's capital gains wish list here the United States would tax capital gains and dividends for the rich at among the highest rates in the developed world. That's right. The highest rates in the developed world. The top rate, high-earning Americans pay on dividends, and the sale of appreciated assets would jump to nearly 49% when you combine federal and state taxes. Now, think about that for a second. You, you are putting your money at risk when you invest, right? You get tax capital gains. You're putting your money at risk. And, and there's a, a model, and this is what I do. I evaluate risk, risk, reward. If all of a sudden, all of a sudden that reward that you might get by putting your money at risk is chopped in half, By 50%, you might say, hey, you know what? I'll just hold on to the cash. I'll just hold on to the cash and just lose 10% plus a year on inflation. Think about that. Highest capital gains rate in the world. What do you think that that's what's going to do? Right now, we, we currently tax dividends in long-term capital gains for the wealthiest Americans at 29%, which in my opinion is way too damn high. Way too damn high. But then you also think about the rates that they're going to they're going to also go up for dividends Again, if you actually, if you consider dividends, the tax rate is going to be well above 60%, close to 70%, because dividends are first taxed at the corporate level, then taxed again when the dividends is passed out. Think about how obscene this is. So you're going to want to put money at risk for this type of a reward? No, it's going to be a major problem. Um, and again, you've got um, the uh, bipartisan Senate infrastructure deal that they're working on. Uh, but in that deal, you've got another $100 billion going to the IRS. That's right. That's right. Um, well, no, excuse me. Excuse me. It, uh, $100 billion in new revenue, okay, is what they want to get by supersizing the IRS. Excuse me. It's an additional $40 billion to the IRS. Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Anyway, um, I need some financial planning stuff I wanted to talk about as well. This story was bouncing around, um, talking about how there's going to be a major transfer uh, of wealth, uh, upwards of $35 trillion dollars. Older Americans stockpiling a record $35 trillion, and the time has come to give it away. Um, You know, the Biden administration knows this too. The administration, Biden doesn't know. The people around him know. This is why they wanted to change the rules when it comes to transferring assets, including stocks, which include the step up basis. So, in essence, when you transfer You've got 100 shares of XYZ that you give to your your granddaughter. And when it transfers over, guess what? Uh, the, the price that it that when she receives it is the price that, well, it, the basis of where it will be taxed when and if she decides to sell it. They want to do away with that, and they want to actually transfer over where you bought it. See, they, they know that this transfer is going to take place and they want their hands all over this money. Another issue when it comes to this, too, and this major transfer that's taken place. I and mean, this is something that we, we help our clients deal with. We've got quite a few, quite a few families out there that have built up businesses, family businesses. And again, sometimes you say, hey, you know what? I want to give this business to my kid. You can, you can. And sometimes it works, but many times it doesn't. And again, we try to get this across to people all the time. You really have to be honest with yourself and honest with who your kids are and whether or not they're going to be able to take this on, whether or not they really want to take this on. Many, many, the overwhelming majority of family businesses fail. When handed down to the next generation, and even worse, when it's handed down to the generation after that, it, not everybody, not everybody can, can do the things that you did or what, uh, that you did to actually build that business up. What it took. Again, you got to go back. You got to think about what it took. What it took. How how did you create this thing? And again, you're handing something established over, but because it wasn't built by your kids guess what they, they might not appreciate it the same way you will I, I, I caution people when it comes to this I said nothing wrong with doing it but make sure it's a right fit make sure it's a right fit in, in the same way I said don't pressure your kids to go to a you know college when they don't know what in the world they want to do To waste the money let them figure it out first yeah it's it's a fine line and it, it's stuff that, it's part of the financial preparation process and things that you're going to have to deal with in some in some respects you know what you sometimes you'll be better off if you can get a good price your business to sell it. but if you don't, again I highly recommend a long apprenticeship process for the next generation. I wanted to talk about this as well um, gotten a lot of emails over the past several weeks in regards to SPACs. Well, why are they falling off a cliff? Why did you buy into this crap in the first place? Spac, special purpose acquisition companies. I know. I know. I'm repeating myself. I've talked about this here on the program. What's well, a SPAC? What's well, a SPAC? I'll tell you a SPAC. SPAC is set up by a promoter. Promoter. Yeah, I remember back uh, back when I first moved to New York City, and graduated college, I had kids that I knew in college that actually had a job as club promoters. Their job was to bring people in. They got paid based upon bringing people in to the club and hosting parties there. Well, that's what SPACs, in essence, are. They've got their little promoters out there. The promoters set up a shell corporation. In this Shell corporation, there's nothing. No assets. No business. No business. But the insiders, the promoters, the people who put the thing together, they get a ton of stock in this Shell company at a deep, deep discount. Then they go out and they raise cash. Raise as much cash as they can. They sell shares in an IPO that's registered with the SEC. They sell this thing out there, and it's got nothing but cash in it. The purpose, these promoters say out there, because we're so smart, we're so great. They actually, put SPAC's put together by athletes and actors and actresses. We're going to find a private company to merge with. So the, the owners will have a public market for their stock. Now, I was approached several times, several times. Hey, you know, you take Markowski Investments and Compass Financial Management, your radio show. You know, we could take it public. You can merge it into this SPAC. No, Now, because it's wrong. First and foremost, um, I don't believe that financial services companies should ever be trading public because you cannot serve two masters. You have to serve your clients. You can't serve your clients and serve your shareholders. There's a disconnect there. Financial services company. What we do, nah, should not be a publicly traded entity. But I knew the racket that they were trying to pull off. The um, the reality, what happens with these spacs? And I know they a lot of a lot of momentum over the past couple years, right? Oh, raised eighty-six plus billion dollars in these things. But what is happening with them? They're falling apart. They're falling apart. And the, you know, that one part of the pitch for the SPACs is it's going to allow mom and pop investors your early access to IPOs. And they're going, it's almost like private equity for mom and pops. No, nah, no. Nah, it's just a new way of taking a company public through a different route and, and run around and making people very, very rich that are in first. We talk about this often here on the program. Don't be a greater fool don't be the one holding the bag in this latest and greatest investment trick watchdog on watchdog on again uh, all the help you need available right there our personal cfo program count repair kits all sorts of great information podcast watchdog on wallstreet.com or give us a call 800-471-5984
0: Taking Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street.
1: Damn straight. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, July 1st, if, you, if you're not a, a fan of the New York Mets. I'm not a fan of New York Mets, but I know this story because the world I live in. Um, July 1st, this went past July 1st. July 1st, for if you're a New York Mets fan, is known as... Bobby Bonilla Day. And it's not because Bobby Bonilla was this awesome player for the New York Mets or did something incredible on July 1st. It's known as Bobby Bonilla Day because it's the day when the New York Mets have to cut Bobby Bonilla a check for close to $1.2 million. You say to yourself, hey, you know, it's a you know, contract that they, they put together. Um, they're going to be paying Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million a year through 2035. Why? Bobby Bonilla retired in 1999. No, this is not a a pension. It's not a pension. This is another Bernie Madoff ripoff. I'm not making this up. Okay? Bernie Madoff convinced the owners of the New York Mets that he could give me the money that you're going to pay Bobby Bonilla Tell Bobby that you'll pay him 1.2 million dollars a year for X amount of years at an eight percent a year eight percent over uh, you're gonna you're gonna over time over what you were going to pay him then because I'm so good at what I do I will show you a higher rate of return than that and you can make the difference I'm not making it up not making it up a- a- and they agree to it that he, Bernie Madoff was so good at his ruse. people believed in his bs to that degree that he could get away with this stuff. again I, you, I talked about this earlier on in the program. Uh, study psychology and, and these conditions and how these people operate and what these sociopaths are able to able to pull the wool over people's eyes. anyway um Again, have to talk about uh, cryptos. Cryptos, what I'm discovering uh, in the world of cryptocurrencies is that it's now a religion. It is. It, it is now a religion for many people out there. The, the true believers in cryptos, uh, man, oh, man, if, if I say something about him here on the program and cryptocurrencies drop over the course of the week, um, they want to conduct jihad on me. It's my fault that it went down. Yeah, yeah, that's how vapid some of these people are. Um, Let let me explain to you something. Um, 2021. 2021 is going to be a record year for investment fraud, reported investment fraud. There have already been over 14,000 investment scams reported to the FTC. Fort. 15,000 already. Now, again, I, I've I've been through different periods when there were massive amounts of fraud. Go back to the earlier part of my career. That's when all the boiler rooms were out there: the, the uh, Stratton Oakmonts, the Wolf on Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, all that crowd. There's more scams being reported today than there was back then. Now, my reasoning behind this is you got a lot of younger people out there that are putting their money at serious risk. And losing it all. And losing it all. A lot of older people, when they lose money, when they get ripped off and scammed, they just talk it up as a loss and I was stupid, whatever it may be. Or they're embarrassed. And they don't want to report the loss. And this is what we come down to speculation. We talked about this here on the program. Um, If you went out and you took all of the money, all of the money that you saved every, you know, you paying yourself every single month, but you didn't pay yourself. You just bought lotto tickets with that money. That's smart. No, it's not smart. You don't take your entire portfolio and what you're doing and put it into some fly by non- nonsense. You don't do that. Okay? Everything in life that has meaning, value, and worth involves work, time, and effort. You need to get your arms around that. You need to study people who have done it and done well. What has made them successful? What, what has made them successful? Sure, from time to time, from time to time, somebody will win the lottery. Somebody will win the lottery. Comes true. I, I take a small portion, small portion, and I speculate on things. But again, I go into it understanding that I could lose it all. That small portion, if it doesn't work out and I can afford to lose that. You cannot gamble with your entire portfolio. It's insane. And a funny thing is, if you honestly think that the FTC or the SEC are going to be able to help you with this stuff, Well, regulators are now there. They're saying, oh, we want more control over uh, cryptocurrency, the the cryptocurrency universe. We want to understand what's going on on these exchanges. By the way, I I looked into what these exchanges charge for transactions. It's 1970s brokerage rates. I kid you not. 1970s brokerage rates through the roof. But they're not going to be able to do a darn thing. They weren't able to do anything about the boiler room operators. They weren't able to do anything about the subprime situation. That's not what they do. So do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't put money at extreme risk unless you can afford to lose it all and understand that you can and you probably will lose it all. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. Count repair kits there, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back.
0: Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. (laughs) This is the watchdog on Wall Street.
1: Yeah, you know where I also get some, uh, some, some nasty uh, messages and email from real estate people in certain areas of the country. Certain areas of the country, in particular uh, major metropolitan areas. Talking down the market. I don't have to talk anything down, nor could I talk down the market. I don't have that type of power. Are you out of your mind? The market is what the market is. And in certain major metropolitan areas, it's bad. I actually saw a BS story on CNBC where they were talking about apartment sales and luxury apartment sales in New York and how some of them have come up as of late and it's getting hot again. All right. Sure. Sure. Give me a break. I, I, I can go online. I can see what's being sold. Sure. There'll be the occasional one that'll be up there, probably sold to some, uh, Person that's got pumping money out of the ground, which is oil from those areas of the world, Russia, the Middle East, just because they have the money, it's got to go somewhere. But no, it's bad. It's, it's, it's all over the world. I saw this, this was out of the UK, and how two major commercial real estate funds shut down completely. Shut down, their investors can't get out because they have to sell the properties to make them hold. You know what it reminded me of? I thought about it because we had a a real estate investment trust go bust a few weeks ago here in the United States. It reminded me of, this is 2007. 2007, 2006 was when we really started warning people. Everybody really started getting nuts and wanted to buy two or three pre-construction condos in Florida or Vegas or uh, Phoenix or something like that. We said, uh, this is problematic, people problematic because you're buying a home and you're just flipping it. You're not improving the value of that home. And it's going up just because it's going up. See, when people tell me things are going up just because they're going up, yeah, they might for that period of time, but eventually they're going to come down to their intrinsic value. I'll give you an example. Where I live here on Long Island, it is 30 miles out of New York City. A mass amount of people are leaving the city. You can't find houses. And what a lot of contractors are doing is they're actually going to people and trying to convince them. There's a lot of older homes here, got homes that are over 100 years old, you got homes that are 50, 60 years old, and they need work. And they're going in and they're saying, hey, you know what? Let me come in. Let me come in. I'll fix up your home. You can look to move here, move there, and then we'll sell it for a higher price. The places will sell automatically right now. But at least they're adding value to that house, making it better. There's a difference. But anyway, going back to um, 2006 into 2007, I'm warning people about this. People are emptying, you know, coming up with schemes where they're using their, their 401k and their retirement money for real estate. Um, listen, there was two hedge funds in 2007 at Bear Stearns they went under there was the bear stearns high-grade structured credit fund and the bear stearns high-grade structured credit enhanced leverage fund and what did the powers be tell you at that point in time what did, what did they tell you oh the subprime problem is contained I, I, I can't see how this real estate issue is going to be contained And again, we talked about how certain pension funds, certain pension funds have now got involved in real estate and buying up real estate because there's just not enough housing available. People can't afford to buy into the home, so they'd rather rent them. The problem I have right now, and I'm looking into this, and again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's almost like it's by design. You're going to have all of these people, these landlords out there that are renting out their properties. All all of a sudden, the government says, guess what? You can't collect on the rent anymore. Your your tenants don't have to pay you. They still have to make their mortgage payments. They still have to make their tax payments. They still got to pay the bills. They still got to keep up these pieces of property, but they've got no income coming in. And again, who knows? It's supposed to end at the end of the summer. supposed to end at the end of the summer. What if they extend it even further? Then what are these people going to do? They're going to walk away. They're going to walk away, and it's going to depress the values of these pieces of real estate. And guess who's going to swoop in? BlackRock. It's almost as if it's by design that they're going to be able to come in and buy up all of these pieces of property on the cheap, and it's wrong. It's wrong. The government wants to say, you know what? We're, we're, going to, we're going to say, you know what? You don't have to pay your rent. Well, then the government should pay the rent. I don't even understand how most of the stuff that they do in Washington, D.C. is constitutional. Patently absurd, quite frankly. Anyway, Watchdog watchdogonwallstreet.com. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. Take advantage of all the great stuff we have right there at our site, our personal CFO program, podcast, all sorts of great stuff. Watchdogonwallstreet.com or give us a call, 800-471-5984.
0: The only man who is taking on the Wall Street establishment. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski.
1: This is, uh, this is fascinating as well. It's just, you know, something that, again, we don't know how it's going to turn out in the end. There's a lot of speculation that's involved. But I, I, I remember uh, back when I first moved to New York, first starting on Wall Street, and I'm waiting tables and bartending to make extra money. And I work for this wonderful family, wonderful family from Italy that that came there in the 1970s, opened up their first restaurant. Now they have restaurants all over. And I learned a lot from them when it comes to business and understanding business. And I I remember when they were looking at a space, they were considering a space where they were going to open up a new restaurant. They would actually sit, park themselves in front of that space, over the course of an entire day and count people. How many people actually walk by? And the reason why I bring this up, it matters. Traffic matters. The reason why malls are going under, they're going to continue to go under. They lose anchor tenants. They lose anchor tenants. Then all of a sudden, the smaller stores within the mall say, hey, you know what? There's not as much traffic. You can't charge me as much in rent. And a lot of these malls now are having to go towards, hey, you got to pay us a portion of sales. And all of these properties are depressed. But what happens when you have major businesses in certain major, in metropolitan areas that don't bring the workers back? Now, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, this is New York, want their workers back full time. They want their workers back full time. But what some of the other investment firms are doing, as they're using it, it's almost like judo. They're saying, oh, okay, Uh, we don't want our workers back full-time. If you want to, you can only come into the office two, three days a week. You don't have to come in Monday and Friday. And guess what? People say, well, you know what? Maybe I don't want to work at J.P. Morgan or Goldman anymore. I want to work somewhere else. Again, this is pandemic-related stuff. But it's changing the nature of business. It's also changing the nature of real estate. Again, needing to understand the terrain. People will say to themselves, hey, I don't have to commute into the city five days a week. I can live further out. I can live further upstate or further out east or out west. Or something. It doesn't make any difference because they only have to go in a couple days. Changes things. Anyway, um, this is, well, you know, i Bring this story up. Uh, I woke up very early, uh, very early after the uh, July Fourth uh, extended weekend. Um, it was actually July sixth, July fifth. We're off, and, and I took a look uh, at you know what the news at the time, and hundreds of people shot over the course of the Fourth of July weekend, and it, it got me. It gets me upset. It's, I look at, because, I, again, I, I love my country. I do. I love the ideals of this country. But in many ways, we've just lost our way. And know gun control is not going to handle this situation. It all comes down to where you live, quite frankly. It comes down to where you live. If people in these neighborhoods where all of this violence is occurring, if the people don't care, if they're not going to work with the police department, then you could spend all of the money in the entire world. As again, Joe Biden goes to Chicago, promised billions of dollars. Do you honestly think anything is going to change? Do you honestly think anything is going to be different? And what happens to business? What happens to business? I in New York City, hotel revenue in New York City depression, room revenue down sixty percent. I you can read the stories on TV? You're gonna take your family into the city? With all the violence that's taking place? Nah. 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 Again, I used to love the place. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street. You should believe in math, not magic. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski.
1: I got to to have lunch with um, some friends, very close friends from Florida that were up near and dear to my heart. They had their their son up at the tournaments, and it was just great to see them, missed them very much. And they're both educators. Both educators. One's a a teacher. One is a counselor at a school we were talking about you know, education and and whatnot. And one of the points that that I brought up and in conversation and they agreed with me hundred and ten percent, because we're talking about schools and school districts and the success and you know how how proud we are, our school district, how proud we are. My wife talks about wow, you know, look at the, all these unbelievable schools that the kids from our high school are going to and more than 50% of the, the graduating class classes, National Honor Society. This is phenomenal. And I, I said this before. Said this before, because again, I, I get a kick out of all oh, nations. We're putting out the best school districts in the country. The best school districts in the country are the school districts where parents give a damn. That's it. That's it. We i out laughing about it, talking to talk my friends. I said every school... Every school is going to have their bad teachers. Every school is going to have their great teachers. Everyone, you could take the best school and the number one ranked high school in the country and you can take their entire staff and you could put them at the worst school in the country. Do you think they're going to be able to do a damn thing? Oh, oh and guess what? You can even throw money at it. You can even throw a ton of money at it because that's, that's always the argument here. We don't spend enough money on schools. There's a story here out of Illinois and how their educational spending has gone through the roof. Um, over uh, $16,000 per student in the state of Illinois, and they went and they took a look at the test results since they started adding all these additional funds. Eh, Stayed the same, and math went down in reading. If the parents don't care. The kids don't care. If my kid gets happens to get a teacher that I think is just not very good, and I'll figure it out fairly quickly, guess what? I'll make sure that my kid will get the extra help, may get a tutor. I don't care. I'll pay for it. That made a difference to me. It's important to me that my kids understand the material and they do well. That's the difference. Anyway, anyway moving on. Um, again, this is a Funny because it used to be something that we had. We actually helped a lot of people out years ago. Um, we, and we still do. We still do. We still, you know, will help our clients get uh, health insurance for their, themselves or their small business. But, um, you know, we used to, we used to have, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the high deductible uh, health insurance coupled with the health savings account. And you know, I'm very, very critical of uh, W. George W., but his domestic issue, which really worked, and it was actually Rick Santorum's idea, was this. You know, high deductible insurance with a health savings account. You're buying the insurance that you need with the deductible that you can afford. Again, it's the catastrophic health issues that that are difficult on people. But there was a story. They did a study. And again, I give kudos to Donald Trump on this because he pushed for this. He pushed for full disclosure when it comes to healthcare costs in hospitals and what they're charging. And the information's coming out right now, coming out right now. And as it turns out, shouldn't surprise anybody. Hospitals charge uninsured people the highest prices. Uninsured people the highest prices. Now, again, um, I have work done in my house. If I let's say if I need to have something done, I'll get a phone call electrician you know what they always ask me can you pay cash and i i think of that sebastian maniscalco bit where he, he's talking about his father and as a kid going into you know jc Penney's or sears and he wants to buy a new refrigerator and he starts to to, to argue with the sales about you know I, I t- i'll pay you this i'll pay you cash yeah right sure but and you know, many businesses they want well, pay them cash, though they're gonna they're gonna charge you less. A lot of service industries that we all know this, okay? Why is it if you're paying cash, is it more? And, and they got these these various different healthcare consultants and uh, people who advise things. Well, because the insurance companies that send us millions and millions of dollars worth of money on a regular basis, we're gonna price them lower. It doesn't make any difference. The people still need to be served. Whether well, they're going to that insurance company or they're paying cash, it doesn't make any difference. It's the same thing. It's a racket. It's a racket. There's never any effort, really, to deal with uh, health care reform. Again, take a look at your insurance costs, if you actually are paying them. Again, a large swath of the population are being subsidized by their fellow taxpayers. They say subsidized by the government. No subsidized by their neighbors paying for their health insurance. It is a debacle. It is a disaster. Oh, there's no inflation out there. Really? Really? My, my health insurance has gone up an ungodly sum since Obamacare. An ungodly sum. And every year it continues to go up. But there's no inflation out there. Oh, And you got this health care stuff taken care of. The, the issue is, people, and again, it's, it's going to go to some of the domestic policy issues that Biden is pushing. Back when Obamacare was established and uh, John Roberts Supreme Court gave it a seal of approval, they had that Supreme Court case, I said, that's it. I said, that's it. Once the government starts an entitlement program, once they, they start giving people free stuff, it only expands. It, don't, it never shrinks. It only expands. And people will say, well, you know, Trump tried to repeal Obamacare and John McCain stuck it to him. Yeah, John McCain stuck it to him because he wanted to. But if it wasn't McCain, there would have been somebody else that stepped up to the plate. Republicans wanted nothing to do with this. Nothing. They talked a big game. They didn't want to reform it. They didn't want to be, those ones, oh, you're taking away our Obamacare the same nonsense when they try to reform social security gotta take a break watchdog on wallstreet.com watchdog on wallstreet.com we'll be back
0: chris markowski is the watchdog on wall street
1: okay round two name something that's not boring